1: You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com.
2: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Per usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor talking all things Major League Soccer and soccer in North America, U.S., Canada, Mexico, the whole nine yards. Uh, So thanks again for tuning in to another episode. It's been a while. I think it's been a little over a week since we last talked to each other about soccer. Um, So yeah, before we get into another fun episode, I know semesters are cranking up for us, Connor. So how's school? You're, You're nodding your head no, so I'm not looking forward to asking this, but how's the week been treating you with school starting in Toronto?
1: I am dreading this semester. Uh it's going to be hell. Um currently I'm enrolled in seven courses. I should be enrolled in five, but I can't decide which courses I want to take because they all suck. Um so uh I'm trying to figure that out. But other than that, the jays got George Springer. Not George. Is it George? It's George. Yes. Shouldn't George you know? I should know, but I had a brain. Did fart. you think Jerry um, Springer? Was that who I mean, you were thinking of? Oh wait, no they don't—they don't
3: have that show in Canada, Drew. Oh man, no. you have no idea who Jerry Springer is.
1: Wait, Jerry recognized. You that are friends? not the
3: father. You've probably seen the memes.
1: Probably. What? I don't know which show that's from.
3: It's a—it's a daytime TV show, talk show.
1: Okay, what's it called? <laughs> Jerry Springer. Just Jerry Springer. Oh, it's just like a Jerry that. Springer show.
3: Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, you heard Mari? It's the same thing.
1: Okay, I'll pretend like, uh, I'll assume we kept that in, but who knows, because I may just cut all that. Because
3: might be, it might be better if you just pretend it's not in Canada.
1: I'm just, <laughs> the Canada slander is off the charts right now. Like, before the show, I had some random person, Bruno's walks in, and just <laughs> randomly ask me if I know what Degrassi is, which was made in, like, the 90s. Like, come on! Um, but, yeah, so that's, dis- that's a dis- focal description of how my week has gone. Uh, which is less than ideal, but hockey's back and the Leafs are losing basketball's back and the Raptors continue to lose, but the Jays got um, George Springer and we thought we got Mark uh, Michael Brantley, but that promptly fell off a cliff when he decided to instead ditch us for the Houston Astros. So there's that, but I won't ramble on anymore. Josh, how's your week been? Hopefully better than mine. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I guess so. I I feel like not a lot has happened in the last like week and a half in terms of my life. Like there's been lots of soccer stuff, lots of sports stuff. Uh WandaVision debuted last Friday. So that's that's kind of been on my mind. That's a new Marvel TV series on Disney Plus. It's like the first new Marvel stuff since the last Spider Man movie came out in July of twenty nineteen, so it's been a hot minute, but the first two episodes debuted and it was pretty good. It's got me excited for the rest of the show. The next episode comes out tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to watching that. But other than that, I mean I feel like not a lot's happened. Been watching the Hawks. I, I assume, Drew, you've been able to watch the Hawks more now that you've been in Athens. So that's probably good. They they've been they've been something, man. They've been all over the place and there's like kind of problems with Trey Young and John Collins, but not really, but like it's definitely not okay. But also there's all these other injuries. I don't know, man. The Hawks are just they're just crazy there's just so yeah, much if those two right players now.
1: could be good that would be great for my fantasy team because they're not good apart from trey young he's done well john collins has been less than ideal if we're... it's
3: it's still funny to me that you like don't like john collins i mean it's you had like it's fair that you don't like him from that standpoint because all you know of him is through fantasy but like for me and drew like he's He's doing great, man. Like I'm, I'm, pretty, pretty happy with John Collins. He's, he's definitely pl- playing like someone who wants to get paid, which is a, another big storyline in Atlanta. So, but,
2: but Drew, how, how have you been in this last uh, week and a half since we last spoke? It's been pretty good. Um, like Connor's school is cranking up, so that is cool. Um, I haven't had a whole lot to do yet. It's still in that like early phase where like you don't have really a lot of assignments left. Um, but I'm like waiting for it to change, like turn that corner. <laughs> Um, Yeah, the Hawks, I finally got to Athens. I get to watch them. They've won two in a row, I think. They beat Detroit, and then they won their MLK Day game, which felt they they had to win that MLK Day game. With those jerseys and just MLK Atlanta. And going up
3: against the awful Timberwolves.
2: Yeah, it was cool seeing Anthony Edwards, Georgia grad, number one overall pick, but I don't think he did too hot. Um, But yeah, I watched see women's national team played, Always good to see them in action. Uh, like, probably the most patriotic thing about the U.S. right now, um, yeah. watching them dominate as always. Good to see them again tomorrow, which is exciting, um, which we'll talk more about that. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot. School's kind of been taking over my life, and good to get a break from school and talk about soccer with you guys. So excited for a good episode. Um, and like we usually start off with, uh, North Americans abroad, even though... MLS is done. They'll have a quiet time. These guys are not done. Uh, Brendan Aronson scored his first goal with Salzburg. It was just a friendly. I don't know who they played in the friendly. Um, I didn't even see a highlight of the goal, so I did not know that happened. But just good to see him scoring. <laughs> That's always good. Not a whole lot to say about that. I,
3: all I saw about the goal is I think someone said he, like, kicked it towards the keeper, like, almost at the keeper, but it went in. So I don't Goal's know. a a goal, man. I, I also assume that it was like a second or third division side because you know that's what teams normally do. They usually pick a like a lower division team to just you know it's just a friendly. So
1: let's not bring team. up third division teams, please. Thank you. How is this not clicked in both your heads yet? Bayern. Oh, that
2: they lost a in a team. super. Not it's not super. Is it Super Cup? The German Super Cup?
3: No, uh, it's just like the the DF the Pokal. The, the DF the yeah, yeah, their, yeah. their U.S. Open yeah. Cup. The German yeah, yeah, yeah. Open
2: Cup. But those have been like full of upsets like a uh, Barca and Real lost, right? Madrid lost to a third division side. Okay.
0: Oh, Bayern
3: okay. I think Bayern only lost to a second division side. So, I mean obviously I mean it's freaking <laughs> Bayern Munich like they still Bayern shouldn't have done that. All. Bad, yeah. This this is literally the defending UCL champs that are still like un, like they've they still won like 20 straight Champions League games and then they lose to a second division German side. So
2: it is funny.
1: Hey, Liverpool lost at home today.
2: That was weird. That was weird. Yeah, it was like 69 a, games in a
1: row. That's crazy.
2: Um, but exciting news of a team that did not lose to a lower division side in their domestic cup. Juventus won the Italian Cup. I'm not sure what it's called, but Weston Super McKinney. Supercopa.
3: Supercopa. Super, Copa. Super Copa. like that.
2: Weston McKinney became the first American to win that trophy. That was pretty awesome. I don't know if you, Josh, got to watch any of those games or that final. I, I don't even know if it was on ESPN Plus or not. They might have changed it up on us. Um, but... I don't think we have a lot to say about that, but that's always good you see him winning that. Um, Matthew Hopp continues to score, just came out of nowhere. Because I had no idea who this guy was at first. And then he scores a hat trick for Schalke, saves them from not winning a game in a year. He scores a hat trick, and now he can't stop scoring. So, Josh, as the resident Schalke fan, I know we don't talk about them a whole lot because McKinney <laughs> left, but this is good news for Schalke. You have another young, promising American. Like, what has it been like to see hop tear it up and save the americans saving this Bundle, bundesliga team
3: it's hilarious that you you mentioned that um mckinney and juventus didn't lose to a lower division side and i thought you were going to use that to segue into the shaka thing and in my mind i was thinking nah, shaka just loses to top division teams <laughs> to the point where they get relegated but yeah no it's it's cool to see matthew hop scoring here's so Schalke is definitely getting relegated. Like there's no way they're going to get out of it. So I think a best scenario situation for this is that hop can use it to get a transfer somewhere else. I mean, it's kind of what McKinney did. Like Drew was alluding to, you know, Schalke had not been good in a long time. Um, If the 359 days without a win was any hint towards that, but yeah, you know, McKinney, he shined in a bad Schalke team and he used it to go to Juventus. So what the heck is Matthew hop going to do? Was talking to a friend about it. I could see him going to another Bundesliga team. German teams really do like to pull from the smaller clubs. I hate calling Schalke a smaller club, but in this case, I guess it's kind of true. So, honestly, it would be kind of cool if, like, Bayern picked up Matthew Hop. I'm not saying it'll happen, but it totally could. But other than that, with the way these Americans seem to just get to these giant clubs all of a sudden, who... Who knows where he's going to end up. But I think he can use this to get a transfer. Actually, I think I saw somewhere that his contract actually ends in the summer with Schalke this summer. Yeah. So that's another interesting wrinkle. I don't think Schalke are going to try to move him right now to profit off of him. But they're definitely going to want money in return because they're not even doing well financially. So I think that's something to watch for. Really, while well, this transfer window is open, I, it is possible, I guess, that Schalke could sign him and then transfer him in the summer for money. Maybe they can work out a deal with someone. I don't really know, but definitely something to watch for.
1: I like that Bayern rumor, because I think that Bayern's backup, ignoring Chupel Moteng because they just brought him in, but I'm pretty sure Xerxes has been in some transfer rumors recently. There's a guy so, named Xerxes? Yeah. he's a awesome. Dutch, Young Dutch kid. He's actually pretty good. Um but that might make some sense as like a third striker option for Bayern. Although I that might, I don't know what their plan is with Ulf. I think is how you say his name. Ulf, oh, something like that. Uh, who plays for their third division side or lower level. I'm not sure what the rules are in Germany in terms of what level they can play at. But that could make some sense. Like I could see Hop potentially being a fit there. Uh, but who knows? Like, Obviously, Schalke are not in a position to demand very much. Uh, and <laughs> if I were Hop or Hop, I'd probably want to desperately get out of a club who only have won a game, maybe two games in the span of a calendar year. But maybe he likes it there. Who knows? Um, it's he's promising. He's on a tear. Uh, I'm shocked he hasn't gotten a. Team of the Week card in FIFA yet, uh, which, speaking of Team of, the, of FIFA, they're releasing, I believe, their Team of the Year tomorrow. And I think Davies is going to be the left back uh, in the Team of the Year. So I have saved a lot of packs to hopefully pack him. Uh, but uh, it's, again, it's just another North American doing incredible things in Europe. Uh, Jonathan David has awoken, I think is the best way of putting it too. And he's been doing pretty good at Lille. He just scored a 90-plus-minute winner for them to uh, actually get them a win, which was huge. Uh, And I think Lille are doing pretty well this season. Uh, So, again, it's just more young North Americans doing good things in Europe. Uh, So, we'll have to see what happens. There were more rumors today surrounding Brian Reynolds uh, from, I believe it was Tom Boger.
2: Tommy Scoops, that's all I know. Yeah. Yes, it's Tom Bogert.
1: Yeah, I think he had it first, and then the transfer aficionado, um, oh my God, how am I forgetting his name?
3: Fabrizio Romano.
1: Thank you. Fabrizio Romano picked it up as well. Uh, So it's looking like he might end up at Roma for a pretty decent fee, but again, it's just going to be something we have to watch. Uh, But something that hasn't exactly been ideal and something less positive for everybody except for Christian Pulisic, uh, or I guess everybody except GQ, is Christian Pulisic's photo shoot. Not what positive. was he thinking? I, that was I, not positive.
3: There are lots no. of positives to take away from it. That was
2: wonderful. It broke soccer Twitter there for a second.
3: Exactly. Think of all the exposure he's getting, all the, no. all the PR. What's the saying? No. Uh, Any PR is good PR?
1: <laughs> no, not that PR. That that photo shoot is on the same level as the Landon Donovan U.S. World Cup like 2002. That's insulting to
3: those. That's insulting to the Water Fountain photos. <laughs> that you would even uh, put those is in the, That you would even put that in the same echelon is insulting.
2: The Water insulting. Fountain photo walk so Christian Pulisic could run. That's this exactly. relationship. The Water exactly. Fountain photo will always be first in the soccer world. <laughs>
1: Somebody's got to make like a museum of terrible photo shoots involving Pablo from the athletics. Probably
2: doing it right
3: now. dude. He's probably Probably. got a shrine in his like house or apartment. He's like probably got a room set aside for all the amazing photos he's collected.
1: Listening (laughs) to this podcast, just coming up with ideas. We're going to get an article next week of the museum of the U.S. uh, national team. Terrible photo shoots. (laughs) Like I honestly, I don't know what they were, what he was thinking. That was so bad. It was so bad. There was no way to justify that. I don't, I
3: don't think it was that bad. Like I said, personally, I didn't like his haircut. And that actual interview itself was That's wasn't. the issue
1: you had with the pictures? His haircut? Yeah.
3: What, 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 what else am I supposed to judge the photo shoot on? I mean, obviously the outfits, which I didn't have a problem with. And the poses were not great. But who am I to judge fashion? I don't know. But as far as his haircut goes, I don't think the fade looked good.
1: In what way are you able to judge haircuts if you can't judge photos sh- like the outfits of the <laughs> the poses? Here, here's
3: here's the difference, right? I okay, can, <laughs> I can go to a barbershop and get a haircut like a person, right? I can just be like, hey, oh,
1: that's Captain nice. America, like, aren't you lucky? Do, give give
3: me the not not like right now. I mean, in general, like, <laughs> hey, make me make me look like uh uh chris evans right like give me the same hairstyle you know what i can't do i can't say give me this twenty thousand dollar outfit dude the rings he had on his finger were like three thousand dollars each so who am i to understand fashion if i can't do fashion but i can do hair i could go out yeah tomorrow because i'm in georgia in the u.s blah, blah 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 let's pretend the pandemic doesn't exist i could go out tomorrow and get my haircut done like christian pulisic I cannot go out and buy his same outfit. So who am I to judge fashion? You know?
1: Ah, you lucky, lucky expletives as you continue to get vaccines and Pfizer is holding ours hostage. Um, But let's move on to something less controversial in the U.S. Men's National Team and U.S. Women's National Team, which, if we're being honest, probably isn't less controversial (laughs) on this podcast because... We both have very, very different views on these two teams. Um, but Andreas Perea makes his one-time switch from Colombia to the U.S., currently plays for Orlando. Uh, he was brought in last camp but didn't play in the team's only game. Was this the right decision for him? Do you think he would have had a shot to play in the Colombian national team? Or do you think he has a better shot at getting into the U.S. men's national team?
2: I don't know, because, I mean, he's break, he's 20 years old, I think, so he's not too old. And he's kind of breaking in with this young group of midfielders. I th- believe he's more of a defensive midfielder, according to Transfer Market. So it's not like he's going to have a walk in the park breaking into that midfield at all. But I'm not familiar with Columbia's midfield right now. Um, but I think it kind of... I mean, it's kind of like the Iaquianola situation, right? I mean, you have a situation where it might be harder to break into a team, but that team might be more successful if you do manage to find a way into the team. Um, just to clarify, this is not cap tie him, correct? Um,
3: I don't think cap ties have anything to do with that he's like he's now officially. U- so he's an American US. citizen. So yeah. the
2: choice has been made.
3: Well, he, he was actually born in the US, okay. but he originally played he did cap tie with the Colombian national team because he played with their youth. He played their U17s and their U20s. So that's why he had to file the one-time switch. So now he has done so. And thus he can never go to another he can never play for another country. He's going
2: to play for the US men's national team for the
3: rest yes. of his career.
1: Mm-hmm. So does that mean Iloch Canola has to file that one-time switch because he came up with the US program?
3: no the i don't know what the exact rule is i think it has to do with tournaments like if you play in tournaments versus just playing in friendlies or even qualifying and i i know the rules for the youth ranks are different than it is for the senior ranks i'm pretty sure
1: it would be great if fifa could make something not complicated for once but <laughs> keep so dreaming yeah, yeah exactly well,
3: i just want to say about pereira i don't i don't even really know that much about him like he wasn't even well, I don't even know. Maybe he was a starter for Orlando. Drew's right. He's really young. I have seen some people sort of tabbing him as like a like depth for Tyler Adams, which I think is super interesting because I've seen a lot of people say that we're actually kind of thin in that defensive midfield spot. So, I mean, obviously he wouldn't be doing this if he didn't think he was going to be getting playing time. And it's also interesting that Berhalter and his staff like went after prayer. I mean, obviously, this has been in the works for a little bit because he was in that last camp. So, definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. I'm, I'm certainly interested in how he fits into the U.S.'s plans.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how he pans out for them. Um, it's going to also be interesting to see how badly Trinidad and Tobago lose on January 31st uh, because that's going to be a just absolute massacre by the men's national team. And I saw rumors that apparently Canada might be playing the U S tomorrow or very soon in some sort of scrimmage. Really? Yes. Interesting. I, I, I can't remember who tweeted that. I saw something what? like that.
3: Where's Canada meeting for their national they're in Florida. national team camp.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I That's, mean, that would make yeah. sense
3: that they're both there.
1: That's why I was so confused why they didn't have a friendly, like it would have made too much sense because they're both in Florida, but Instead, the U.S. decided to bring in Trinidad and Tobago to promptly stomp them. Stomp them. Uh, but never
2: count them out, as we've learned. That's the one country you can't count out.
1: That's the <laughs> never one. Never again.
3: It's
1: c- the one country every country can count out, apart from the U.S. once National there state. Exactly, There you go. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So hopefully, they hopefully the U.S. lose, because that would just be no. peak peak twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Just superb, um, but I have a feeling it'll be more like the U.S. Women's National Team's game against Columbia where they destroyed them for nothing, uh, and Sam Mewis scored a hat-trick, and the fourth goal was scored by the other Mewis and Christie. So I don't think there are any brothers on the U.S. Women's National Team right now, so we're going to have to figure out some sort of way where siblings can score some way so that they win for nothing. But do you guys have anything you want to add to the national team camp stuff?
2: Not really. The women do play again tomorrow. Uh, they play Columbia again, I think also in Florida. So that will be exciting. We got to see Katerina Macario for a second there. We talked about her last episode. She looked really good. Young player chose the U S so that's exciting to see where she goes. um, yeah, it was the same old domination. I think we're used to. So not a whole lot to add from the women's national team front. One thing I I do want to mention, just from watching the game,
3: it's incredible how the the U.S. women just go. They they like don't stop. Like I I was sitting there watching the game, and they were already up. You know, two nothing, three nothing. It's obvious they're like way better than this particular Columbia team, who's dealing with some COVID absences and was playing two teenagers along. Their right side, which was the side that the U.S. had uh, Lindsey Huron and Megan Rapinoe on. So, like, Colombia was never going to stand a chance. But what was amazing to me is, you know, there are different phases of a game. And some teams say, we're going to press first 15, sit back second 15, press again, the third 15, you know, whatever. They come up with these plans. And the U.S. never once took their foot off the gas. I'm like watching and I'm thinking, just pass. Just like pass around in the back a little bit. Just possess the ball, like chill. Like why are you guys going so hard? And then it dawned on me that these players are playing presumably for like, for example, the Olympic squad this summer. Although based on some news today, it looks like the Olympics isn't happening. But just for a second, let's assume it is happening. They only get 18 players on the roster, which is – Insane because you look at the 23 the U.S. had for the World Cup in 2019, and then you've got players like Katarina Macario, and I don't even think Christy Mewis was on that World Cup team. So you get players like that that you've got to factor in now, and then you've got older players like Carly Lloyd who are refusing to go gently into that good night, and you know Rapino's not going to go down without a fight. So it's just incredible. You see all these individuals. They're trying really hard to secure a spot, in a in a squad like the Olympic squad, and so it was just amazing to see them go and go and go and go and just attack constantly. And honestly, it could have it could have been a thirteen to nothing game.
1: It it's almost have. like they're the best team on the planet.
3: Which is why, if I was manager, I wouldn't I wouldn't have them going a hundred percent all the time because I feel like it's in a friendly because I feel like it's kind of unfair to Colombia. But also, I wouldn't want to risk any of my players but also i understand that they have to impress the manager like they like especially for players that subbed on like they have to make the most of their situation in order to get a spot down the road
1: all right if you say so drew do you have anything you want to add to that
2: no it's always good to see the women dominate we're used to it so good to see them do it again good to see young players finding their way in there but not a whole lot to add
1: All right, let's get back to MLS and talk some more transfers. Um, Specifically, 26-year-old Jordan Morris finally heading to Europe. as He's joining Swansea City on a six-month loan. Uh, He was excused from the U.S. Men's National Team camp for, quote-unquote, personal reasons, which I think we all know what those personal reasons probably were. Um, But what do you guys think about this transfer? Do you think this was a good fit for... Morris do you think that this will be a potential for him to stick in the championship I believe Swansea are currently sitting second in the league what do you think about this transfer for Morris and for Swansea City
3: I am cautiously optimistic I I think like most people it kind of seemed out of left field it's kind of a weird choice uh, most people are probably in agreement that Jordan Morris is a Premier League caliber player, I think he could easily be on a mid table, low table team. So for him to, you know, go with the championship team is really interesting. That being said, you you know, you can understand why he did it. Swansea are probably going to get promoted. At the very least, they're looking for reinforcements in order to get promoted, and so Morris can definitely factor into that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. He wouldn't he wouldn't be doing this if he didn't feel like it was going to help him. And he's definitely at a point in his career where he doesn't really have anything to lose. He's pretty much a regular on the national team. He's proven he can perform on an international level. He's proven he can dominate MLS. So why not do this six month loan that could potentially turn into a permanent move or he could even springboard into a mid table team. I could definitely see him playing for a club like wolves who like to sit back and counter or, you know, a team like Burnley, which I believe in the my FIFA career mode, he actually did transfer to Burnley. <laughs> he's like in the Premier League. Also, Sebastian Blanco plays for West Ham United in my career mode. It's so strange, man. It's so strange. But so, you know, Jordan Morris, you know, would fit in great on a counter-attacking side. I think he's clearly got the speed for it. And he's just so dangerous when you play him a through ball in a space. So Drew, do you have any thoughts on uh, Morris going to Swansea City?
2: Not a whole lot that you didn't touch. I know it was one article Chris Smith, who I think still writes for the website, wrote. And it was kind of interesting that I think a lot of people eventually were wondering if this would happen because, like you said, how much he's dominated MLS. And it's interesting that it's a six-month loan. It kind of feels like this tryout-type deal. Well, let's see how he does in this in a Premier League-level side if they get promoted and. I, don't, I think second place, they don't do that playoff. I'm not sure of the rules between the championship. So looks like they'll be promoted. Um, but, yeah, I've been looking for reinforcements. Exciting to see if he keeps it up that he does because, like, yeah, he's dominated MLS. He's won. He's been on arguably one of the best teams across MLS lately. So i will be interesting going from that to Swansea City. Um, we'll see how he transfers to that. But, yeah, I think it's just interesting because this idea of him going to Europe has been floating around for a long time. And like Josh said, the move specifically to Swansea City on a six-month loan kind of came out of nowhere. But I think it was in the back of men's national team fans' head that what if he goes to Europe. So it's cool to finally see that happening. Um, the six-month loan is interesting. Hopefully he'll make do with that six months, and then we'll see what happens from there, if Swansea won him or not. Um, I imagine if he helps him get promoted, that's going to be a pretty hard sell not to keep him. But I'm excited about it. I think it's something men's national team fans have been wondering for a long time and finally excited to see Morris in Europe.
1: How do you guys think this will affect Seattle then? Because obviously he's going to likely... We'll get to the whole force majeure stuff, but he'll likely miss the start of the season.
2: I think Seattle's going to be fine. I mean, they might not be going to MLS Cup Seattle, but I think we got to remember they're in the same league as like the Vancouver Whitecaps and FC Cincinnati. Like They're going to be better than them. They're going to be better than DC United and the Colorado... Not, maybe not Colorado, but they're going to be better than most teams in the league. Maybe they don't win the Shield or anything like that, but they'll be... They'll be just fine. Maybe they won't be the Seattle of old if they miss him for a while, but I'm not worried about Seattle.
3: I, Yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll be fine. They still have Nico Ladero and Jao Paulo and uh, Raul Ruiz, yes. So that's not an issue. Uh, also, I mean, they also have um, like some pretty solid academy kids that I know that have been playing with their USL side. So maybe it's time for those kids to start getting some – Some minutes, so that'd be interesting. One thing I I am looking forward to with this particular transfer though is you know what kind of effect will this have on MLS? Because MLS is starting to finally develop this reputation for selling on young talent, specifically, you know, teenagers or you know, young twenties. So for a player like Jordan Morris, who's in his mid-20s and is clearly in his prime, this this it's just something to keep an eye on, I think. This is going to be a good marker for how much the league has grown and how competitive MLS is on its own. So I'm, I'm definitely excited for whatever effect that may
1: have. And another player who might be joining Morris in Swansea is Paul Ariola. Uh, he's obviously coming off the ACL tear. So what do you think about this rumor of Ariola potentially joining Swansea?
3: I think I think this is also really intriguing. I, I don't have any doubt that he'll do well there because he's spent time playing in Liga MX, so we've already seen him abroad before. He was there before he went to D.C. Whereas, you know, with Jordan Morris, he's only been in MLS. So I, I don't think there's as much question for Ariola. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's coming off the ACL injury, but with the way that ACL in, um, surgeries have improved over the last few years, it's almost as if they're stronger now. Uh, I think Zlatan has even said like his knee is better than it was before. He dealt with all that after he got his surgery and he's still scoring goals at like 500 years old. So in Italy, so clearly something is right about the surgery. So I, in terms of like a, a health aspect of it, I don't think it's a, a huge deal. What isn't in- intriguing to me is the DC connection because one of Swansea's owners is also, part owner of dc united so this could potentially create a relationship and also with swansea dipping into the other side of mls with seattle and jordan morris is i don't know maybe there's a market for championship clubs now which we're going to talk about more in a second
1: (laughs) yeah jack harrison is a name that immediately springs to mind for me Uh, obviously that was more of a city connection but he's still tore it up in the championship. I wonder if we started to see this more often. Is the championship taking a flyer on not necessarily young MLS products, because I think they'll end up going to major European teams, but more of the maybe Jonathan Osorios, who are mid-20s, haven't quite gone to Europe yet, but are still a very good quality. I wonder if we'll start seeing players like that end up in the championship. Obviously, Areola, he's... 24 I think around there mid 20s ish Morris obviously 26 and I think it can make a lot of sense uh, for those players and it'll obviously up the level of people's opinions on MLS if these players are succeeding in the second best league in Europe and being major parts of those teams at a mid 20 age so I think this is really really intriguing um drew do you have anything you want to add to the Ariola stuff
2: um not really except this totally came out of nowhere i was not this was totally not on my radar um excited though like you mentioned the dc to swansea city connection that's interesting didn't know that um yeah not a whole lot to talk about that i think you guys knocked it out of the park that this is just another talent from mls going possibly going to swansea um and yeah, I think it's interesting, exciting, and we'll see what happens from here.
1: Yeah, and another uh, American who is going technically back to the championship because he was out on loan with Telstar in the Russian League is Sebastian Soto, who would be, who's who been recalled from his loan back to Norwich, uh, who are currently top of the championship. I don't believe he will be starting. Uh, I think he's likely going to be a part of their youth setup. But... There's potential, I guess. Um, what do you guys think about Soto? Do you think he will make any sort of any first-team appearances, whether that be as like a bench option uh, or even coming off the bench? What do you think about this whole Sebastian Soto situation?
3: I think he's definitely going to get some starts. I think he's definitely going to get a lot of minutes, only because they they're canceling his loan like midway through and they're sending out another U-23 kid instead. So the fact that they're pulling Soto back in and they're pushing this other kid out tells me that they want Soto there. And the, the main issue with Soto was that he didn't have the uh, Great Britain work permit or whatever, you know, that, that whole situation. Which, by the way, major props to Greg Berhalter and his staff because when they saw that Soto got that three-game suspension after his red card, they pulled him into that last December camp Because he needed those caps. He needed that international time to get this work permit. So really good job. Really savvy of them to help Soto secure that. Uh, But yeah, the fact that they're calling him in midseason. And Norwich is like six points clear at the table. Like They're way ahead of Swansea right now. So I think it says something that they're trying to pull Soto in. So I I expect him to play a lot. I don't think he's going to be back in their U squad. I think it would be weird for them to bring him back for that.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tough go for him to try to get in to start over Timu Pukki because obviously Puki's insane um, but again having him called back I think is huge I'm not sure if he will get a lot of first team minutes uh, one of the ru- rumors slash reasons I saw they did call him back was so that they could send this other kid on loan uh, and they couldn't do both of them like they need Soda to play on their U23 team uh, they need a striker for that although that may not be accurate uh this is like a tweet i saw so take that for what you will but it's again a very interesting situation drew do you have anything to add to the whole soto uh loan recall
2: yeah i think josh pretty much said i was gonna say that's really weird that they're first in the league i know they were as head of swansea as josh is like six points clear that they were calling this player so i think that does say a lot about how high they view soto um potential plans to play this guy a lot so, yeah, it's doesn't make a lot of sense. Kind of if, if it's not broke, don't change it. So I'm not sure why they're doing this. Um, but, I mean, if you're canceling a loan, what, halfway through, like Josh said, and you're first place in the league looking to get promoted into the Premier League, then obviously you have high plans for him. So that's exciting. But, yeah, I kind of don't understand why they're doing it. Um, but that's just good that they think that highly of a player if they're willing to cut their loan short to bring this guy into their team, which they're already very clear and looking like they'll be promoted to the Premier League. So it's good they think that high of an American player for sure.
1: Yes, and we should mention all of this is if he can get a work permit. Uh, that's the big question is will he be able to get a work permit in the U.S.? Uh, but quickly, other news from transfers abroad. Kaku appears to be leaving our Red Bull, uh, New York Red Bull. Uh, he's going to be going on a free to Saudi Arabia. The uh, they Club is, and I shout out to Draj for putting this pronunciation, in. even though this is one of the teams who I actually could have pronounced, uh, in Al-Tawun, uh, they're, I don't know how good they are, because I don't follow the Saudi league, but, yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about this transfer quickly before I mention one other Saudi player potentially coming to MLS?
3: Horrible business by Red Bull.
1: Drew?
2: Not a whole lot of takes on it except between that and Pity Martinez, maybe I'll start watching the Saudi Arabian League. <laughs> I saw Pity scored a goal. It's kind of a lame goal, but maybe maybe they'll, they'll Man, knock on the door.
3: That was just the deflection. I was like, did this jerk score a free kick goal like not with us? And then yeah. he took a deflection. I was like, okay, good.
2: Because I saw the video, I saw him like gearing up. It was way outside the box. I was like, this is the Pity Martinez, like South American player of the year. This is what we were expecting. And I see the shot. I'm like, okay, it's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the Saudi League. Uh, This was one rumor I saw from a Twitter account I've never seen before, Uh, but there was a rumor um, connecting Sebastian Giovinco to the LA Galaxy. (laughs) But I don't think that will ever happen. Although I do know that Giovinco will definitely not be staying in the Saudi League. Uh, I know he hates it there. Uh, His family didn't even move there. I believe they're still living in Toronto. Um, But... What I have heard is Giovinco will either play in Italy or he will play in North America. Those are the two places he will play. So maybe it's not completely out of the question, but I think it's highly, highly unlikely in my personal opinion, although I have no information on that. Uh, But yeah, I think that's pretty much all of the transfers abroad we have to cover. Obviously, we'll get into the in MLS transfers that are... We have just been flying um, all over the place, none of which involving Toronto, but I digress. Uh, Let's get into some MLS news. And do we really have to talk about this? Like, it's just so bad. The Montreal Impact's new rebrand to Club de Foot Montreal. The stupid, like... (laughs) I'll let you guys talk first, but what do you guys think about the Montreal impact rebrand to club de foot Montreal, uh, which nobody outside of Canada will be able to properly say.
2: Yeah. I don't a whole lot of thoughts. Um, yeah, it's bad. I don't like it. Um, the logo's lame. The name's lame, which I guess it just translates to English as Montreal football club. So, or just football club, Montreal, FC Montreal. Um, Yeah, Vancouver, don't change your name, please. Whitecaps, Sounders, Timbers, Rapids, Earthquakes. Uh, I think those are all the mascots that I'm thinking of. Uh, The Dynamo, that's kind of cool. So, Nashville got a mascot, even though their name is SC. I'm a big mascot fan, so there's some creativity in Major League Soccer. But bad logo, bad name. I don't like it. Um i love the original names revolution i think everyone's on board now don't mess with a revolution that's beautiful um so yeah montreal just the next victim um we did talk about in the slack that one city in indiana with like the exact same logo so i think we're all bloomington indiana fans maybe there's a lawsuit there for the sake of creativity in major league soccer please indiana come through when we need you the most um but yeah it kind of sucks uh the white caps, don't change it. Keep it going, save Canada. But not a whole lot of thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, I I actually really like the crest. I wish the okay. I am going to change better.
1: that. Think of the backside of your cat and then look at that logo.
3: <laughs> I it's, it's fine. I, it really Ew. doesn't bother me that much. Even though yeah, I I saw that meme. Uh-huh. Someone someone made that into a meme already. Um, but no, I I actually. I like the crest. The name, yeah, it's stupid. I mean whatever. Changing it. The entire it from in, province of Quebec
1: is now coming for your head.
3: <laughs> I, I wish I wish they had changed like I don't mind if clubs update their crest. Like you you look at the Premier League, for example, and these clubs that have been around for hundreds of years, they, they go through refreshes all the time. Or even like a club like Juventus. But changing the name I don't get that. I I wish they'd kept the impact part of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess this is just something we have to get used to now. Please, soccer gods, please don't change the New England Revolution logo. Or if anything, just give that a little update. Maybe it doesn't have to look like it was made in Microsoft Paint in 1994, (laughs) which it probably was. But we can keep the flag. You can keep the soccer ball in it. Like, it's a great ode to the World Cup logo from 94 when that was hosted in the U S. So hopefully they don't mess that up. Although because it's MLS and because these teams seem to not listen to their fans, they'll probably will.
1: We'll see. Uh, I know there's a petition going around for them to change it back, which honestly don't blame them. Um, I hate for Chicago. It it did work for Chicago and they did get a lot more fan involvement in that. So hopefully they released that pretty soon and hopefully it looks good, but Yeah, this Montreal rebrand is terrible. I hate all of it. Uh, Please just go back to the impact. And I'm a Toronto FC fan, so seeing Montreal suffer is perfect for me. But yeah, I don't like this at all. I don't think it works, period. Um, But we don't need to talk about this club de foot Montreal because, as I mentioned, nobody outside of Canada will be able to say that properly. Uh, so let's get into something even more fun, which are league negotiations that appear so far to only be one way, in that the MLS gave the MLSPA uh, uh, proposal and the MLSPA has not responded yet. What do you guys think about this entire situation? Where do you think it goes from here?
3: You know, we talked a bit last week you know, whatever it was, week and a half ago, 10 days ago. And at the time, really only the league had said anything about it. The Players Association hadn't really responded. And now we're getting this whole, you know, we don't know where these 30 days came from. And now you've got the Players Association Twitter account throwing hands on Twitter, and it looks kind of silly. And now people are starting to brace themselves for not having a 2021 season and I don't know if that's the right response to this but man this is this is to me this is really weird because like a year ago when we were gearing up for a CBA battle like it was pretty cut and dry you know it was the players need to you know they had an agenda for what they wanted the league had an agenda for what they wanted and it seemed like they came together for a pretty good middle ground and now here we are and obviously the pandemic changed a lot but it's just everything feels like it's degrading to the point where the players sounds like they don't even want to do anything. Like they just don't even care at this point, which I don't blame them. And then the league also is just, they're just being disrespectful to the players. So I'm just, I'm honestly trying to pretend that this isn't happening. Like I'm, I'm living in ignorance that Atlanta is coming back to training camp in a week and a half. And they'll actually start and have a season. Like, I'm just trying to pretend like I'm the dog in that meme where everything's on fire. And he's like, this is fine. Like that's, that's me just hoping that there's an MLS season.
1: At least Toronto will have a game because we do have to play the CPL team once, but that'll be a massacre. So I don't know if that counts. Drew, what are your thoughts on the entire negotiation situation right now?
2: Yeah. Like Josh said last week, when we talked about there's kind of just this wonderful ignorance, like Josh mentioned, that I wish we still had now. But there was we didn't know a whole lot, so there was kind of room for optimism. And I think, as we all expected for it to go down because it's Major League Soccer, it's gone down like that. Um, it's just players not the 30 day window that I think that's my biggest issue that the players not knowing what's going on. Because if anyone should know what's going on in this process, it should be the players. Um, so, them saying they don't know where something came from is just inexcusable between communication, whether it's between the league, the owners, and the Players Association, whatever. Um, but that's my biggest issue in it that they don't know what's going on fully because I think they should have a say in this um, and know fully what they're getting into. Um, yeah, not a whole lot. The whole Twitter thing was just like just this just coming out even more public when you have the Players Association clapping back. I don't know who the heck runs the Player Association's Twitter account. I bet it's Breck Shea. Breck Shea runs MLSPA <laughs> Twitter. That's my take.
3: It's got to be whoever was running that stupid COVID account. Oh, I wonder bubble, what happened. Right? It's Breck
2: it's Shea. It's got to be the I same guy. I said it's for both of them. There it is. He does both. <laughs> so I'm not, not too thrilled about it. Like Josh said, I mean, last week we were kind of, we don't know what's going on. We'll see what happens. Maybe it won't be too bad. Maybe they'll have it together. And here we are a week and a half later, and it's not turned out well um so i'm not too optimistic about it i don't know if i'm on the gear of affecting the season as a whole but it's definitely not where it was last time we talked it's taken a turn for the worse um so i'm not very optimistic about it but we'll see what happens
1: here's why i'm optimistic about it what expires this year in mls tv deal the tv deal
2: bang i guessed right connor loves those things
1: yeah mls need to play if they want money, big money from that TV deal. They will not hold the players out this season. They will play this season. They don't have a choice. They will figure this out or they will not make no changes and then next year, it'll be absolute hell. One of two things will happen. One, MLS will just give in and they'll accept what the players end up proposing to them. Or we'll play this year and... MLS will negotiate a big TV deal and next year will be a complete dogfight. But that also may not happen because ESPN probably won't be very happy if MLS doesn't play next year immediately after forking over a ton of money for a new TV deal or whoever buys the rights to MLS. So I don't think people should be worrying about this entire situation as much as they currently are. This will get figured out. There will not be any sort of lockout. And if there is, it won't be for an extended period of time, maybe just the start of the season. And then MLS will realize, wait, we have a TV deal coming up, which is more important than not paying the players a couple million bucks every year for a few years when we could be making potentially tens of millions more on the TV deal so MLS are trying to negotiate from a place of power when in reality they don't have any well they don't have much leverage because the players know they need to play the league knows they need to play and this entire situation will not last I, in my personal opinion this situation will not last I think we will kick off in mid-March whether or not we can physically kick off in mid-March because pandemic who knows but if MLS can kick off in mid-March they will kick off in mid-March and I don't think that the force majeure clause will pose a major threat to that happening personally do either of you have any counters to that argument, and do you think that makes sense?
3: I actually don't really have a counter. I think that's a really interesting aspect of it that I hadn't really um, hadn't really thought of, hadn't really considered. Honestly, that might really be what's going on because that would explain why the players haven't really done anything. Like I said, they seem disinterested. So you know, Connor, I think you might be onto something. You know, with the whole TV deal and them realizing that their games have to be played. As for the mid March start time in the pandemic, I really do believe, well, I'm not going to get my hopes up because this country is inept and just, it's just so, there's so much rot coming from the inside of it. But I would like to believe, I would like to believe that under this new administration, the U.S. can get its vaccinations and testing sorted out, and therefore fans will be in stadiums sooner rather than later, maybe sooner than previously projected. Therefore, that mid-March start date might not be threatened after all. But like I said, I am not going to get my hopes up.
1: The one thing that might throw a spanner in the works in terms of MLS starting mid-March is Canada. Because will MLS want to start with Canadian teams in the U S is the biggest question, because I don't think we're at a point in Canada right now. And I don't think the U S is in a point where we're feasibly going to be able to play games in both Canada and the U S. Maybe they do something similar to what they did at the beginning of last season where they have the three Canadian teams play each other a bunch and then eventually, once they're able to start doing intercountry play, but it's going to be the next two months are going to tell us a lot about where MLS stands on a lot of issues and where the players stand in terms of using the limited leverage that they actually have. Because I hope they do realize that they do have leverage in this situation, uh, because they've been screwed over by MLS a lot, and it would be nice to see the MLS players get a win. Uh, and players in general get a win over their respective leagues, even if it isn't very big, if it's something small. But let's move on to some more player moves, unless, Drew, you have anything you want to add. No, nope,
2: let's dive right in.
1: All right. Let's start off with LA Galaxy acquiring Jorge Villafania from Portland in exchange for the number 16 pick in today's um Super Draft, which we're not going to talk about because none of us know anything about the Super Draft, um, and f- some future allocation money. What do you think about Villafania's fit with the LA Galaxy?
2: I think it's interesting. Um, I guess they didn't, no one knows how much allocation money that will be in the future. i um, super vague about that, so that's kind of a bummer. Um, but yeah, like you said, the Super Draft pick, I mean, just drafting in general in sports is such a risk. Right, I mean, it, you don't have to look far at MLS. You can just look in sports in general, right? Just drafting players, kind of a risk there. So having a player like Viafania, who has played in this league, he's 31, um, so he's, he's a defender so he can last for a while. He's played with Portland, he's played in this league for a while, uh, played with Chivas and won an MLS Cup with Portland, so he knows how to win. Um, he played a lot in 2015, he started 33 games and played in 33 games, even scored a goal and had five assists in the run to winning MLS Cup. So I'm a fan of it. Um, Again, it's kind of hard to judge the move because we don't know how much money was sent that way. Um, I'm excited to see what the Galaxy turn out to be this year. I think there's a lot of questions and interest about the Galaxy with all the moves they made, both managerial and players. Um, So I'm a fan of it. I think he's going to provide just some, I don't know if you could say depth or how much starting time he's going to plan on get getting with the Galaxy, but I'm excited about it. I think it's a good move. Um, anything really is up from here for the Galaxy. So I'm, I am I like it um, from a Portland perspective. I think it's fine, too. I think when you think of the Portland Timbers, you don't think of Jorge Villafaña being the guy that's going to beat you, right? So I'm okay with it. I like the move from both perspectives. Um, again, it's hard to totally judge the transfer because we don't know how much money is in there yet. Um, and like I said, the draft a 16 overall pick in Major League Soccer Super Draft. It's not that big of a deal. That sounds bad because these college athletes are pretty incredible soccer players and Atlanta's picked up some pretty big gems in the Super Draft. Um but it's such a risk. So I'm a fan of it from both perspectives. Josh, what do you think about Vafanya going to Los Angeles?
3: Definitely like the move for LA Galaxy with Greg Vanny there now. This definitely feels like a, a move that he wanted. This is a a seasoned MLS fullback that he now has at his disposal for Portland though. I don't know. I don't really understand why they're sending via away. He's just been such an important part of that team in this, in this past decade or however long he spent with them. Like you said, you're winning MLS cup and then he was starter for the other MLS cup that they were in in 2018. So To me, I don't fully understand why they're sending him away. Actually, they did just get, what's his name, Claudio Bravo, I think, uh, South American fullback. So maybe they feel so confident and they're getting younger. But even then, I I don't really know Portland's back line that well. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess it just depends on which way you want to look at it. Bad thing because there aren't any stars. Good thing because you don't know anyone because they're not that terrible, but I don't know. I, I, it is a little interesting from a Portland standpoint. I kind of feels like a risk from there. end, honestly,
1: he was getting up there in age. He's 31. Uh, so might be just trying to get younger and somebody who won't miss penalties would probably be beneficial. Oh, um, man. no offense to Jorge Villafania, but he was exactly the best at them in his time with Portland. Um, so, I think it sort of makes sense. And getting younger, he I believe he was an international. So, freeing up an international spot, likely replacing it with the guy who you just brought up. Uh, but, again, interesting move by Galaxy, getting another veteran, and Portland getting a draft pick and however much allocation money. Uh, next up, we got center back Andres Reyes, uh, who is signing with New York Red Bull. I played last season with Miami, just he's only 21 central defender. Honestly, that's probably a good move just if you can get a young central defender. Uh, Josh, what do you have to tell us about Andres Reyes and will he be a fit on New York Red Bull?
3: So I don't remember much about Reyes and his time with Miami. He was the guy that got choked by dom dwyer and had to leave the field in that first opening mls's back match so that's how that's kind of how i remember him i think it's really interesting that miami brought him on loan and then they didn't want to keep him and then he went to red bull instead so that's an intriguing aspect of it for me (laughs) So I don't, I don't really know what's going to go on with that. They're definitely getting younger. and We'll talk about Red Bull and center backs a little, a little bit more in a second. But this is just Red Bulls getting younger, I think. It happened a few years ago when they brought in Tim Parker and they had Aaron Long and formed a really good center back partnership. So I feel like this is Red Bull trying to do that get younger, get a new center back partnership. Also keep in mind that Gerard Struber, this is his first year. This has got to be a move that he wanted. So in his high pressing style, I wonder if he sees a lot of potential in Reyes and sees a good fit for his system. So definitely something to to keep an eye on.
1: And speaking of Tim Parker, he was sold by New York Red Bull or technically traded uh, to Houston in exchange for $450,000 in GAM, which can be up to $1 million with incentives. Josh, what do you think about that transfer?
3: I think it's a really good move for Houston. Tim Parker is still a decent center back. He is starting to get up there in age a little bit, I believe. I
1: 28? Don't
3: yeah so he's he's definitely not out of his prime or anything for a center back especially so good move for houston who made a lot of moves actually i we forgot to talk about but they also got Derek Jones today 27 wow so tim parker's pretty young still that's he'll be
1: 28 uh february 23rd
3: okay so so by the start of next season he's 28 yeah that that's Pretty crazy, actually, because Red Bull brought him in, I think, back in 2018, which means he was only, like, what, 24 or 25. But anyway, good move for Houston. I think it's smart to get an MLS veteran. They've sort of struggled in defense. So uh, good move for them, I think. Good move for Red Bull, too, because Tim Parker kind of seems like he needs a change of scenery. We definitely were hearing less and less about him, and even Aaron Long to an extent, since that— outstanding 2018 Sports Shield winning season. So good move for Houston. Good for Red Bull to get money, I guess. So probably a probably win-win for both sides.
1: Yeah, it's a big transfer. Uh, potentially $1 million. It would put him on the same level as the Walker Zimmerman and Ike Opara transfers. Do you think that Tim Parker could live up to that hype? Or do you think Houston could potentially be overspending on a average to above average mls caliber central defender
3: it depends on the way you look at it let's just assume for the purpose of this the incentives are super heavily based on houston winning or tim parker winning individual awards it's probably safe to say it's not going to happen houston's still sort of a team in transition although yeah it's mls pretty you know a lot of parody. but. I mean, I, I think this is a good move for Houston and that they're really not spending that much for a proven center back, like a proven MLS center back. And I don't think they'll mind paying another half million if it means that they're doing well, because it's probably incentive-based on, on the team's success. So I don't think Houston minds that much. I don't think you'll have the same impact as Zimmerman and Oparo, though, but still good business, I think.
1: Drew, what do you think about this transfer?
2: Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway, when you look at Houston, that while they were so bad, if you look at the standings, I mean, it wasn't because they allowed this ridiculous amount of goals, right? I think when you look at the teams that didn't make the playoffs, they were one of the better defensive sides. As far as that, they still weren't great. Um, but I think my the biggest issue with Houston is not scoring goals, right? But like Josh said, it's not that much money for this guy. Now, if they'd spend a lot, I would be questioning, why are you spending this much money on a defender when defense wasn't your main priority but they're not spending a whole lot of money on a proven defender um with the white caps and with the red bulls he was one of the better defenders on both those teams so i'm not i like it a lot um i think houston that's not where their main focus is but wasn't a whole lot of money they spent on him so i'm not criticizing how much houston spent on that guy because proven defender in this league he's won a lot so i like the move i think houston's just working on getting better and better and it's not hard to Get better than what they were last year, so I'm a fan of the move for sure.
1: And Houston continued continued to be busy as they also acquired Maxi Arrudi from the Club de Football Club de Foot Montreal. I will always say Club de Football because that should be what it is, but they did Club de Foot instead. Uh, but Maxi Arudi traded from Montreal to Houston in exchange for central defender Alias. Struna and a twenty twenty-one international spot. What do you think about this transfer for Montreal and what do you think about this transfer for Houston?
2: Yeah, I mean from the Houston perspective, like I said, um goals were I think hard to come by in Houston. Inaruti has scored. I mean he's proven triple up stats right now. Last year, yeah, he started in ten games, have five goals and two assists. Um so he's not gonna be the biggest goal-scoring threat in the world, um, but maybe just something to help out with Houston because I think goal-scoring was their biggest weak point last season. Um, as far as from a club de football Montreal perspective. Club de foot. Club Not de club foot, de I'm sorry. Club it's de called foot. soccer anyway. I don't know what Montreal's doing. <laughs> um, okay,
1: anybody outside of Europe is, or anybody outside of North America and Australia is now coming for your head.
2: It's called soccer.
1: England follows.
3: invented the term soccer, so whatever.
2: Euro snobs. <laughs> Um. All right, continue. But from a Montreal perspective, um, yeah, I mean, I think Montreal, it's just, I don't know, Montreal, I want Montreal to be so good because they made that run in the playoffs. Unfortunately, couldn't get a win, if I'm remembering correctly. It feels like playoffs were so long ago. Um, but I'm not... I don't really know how to feel about this from a Montreal perspective because I don't think it makes a whole lot of noise in there. It's just kind of a move. So I'm not expecting too much for Montreal. Um, I don't, I, I think that might be a problem that I'm not too excited or too thrilled about this transfer just because Montreal is nothing. I don't think they were one piece away from being a really good team, if that makes sense. So I'm not, I'm excited about this from a Houston perspective, not too much from a Montreal perspective. Uh, Josh, what do you think about the moves from both teams?
3: This is, this is a perplexing trade, in in my opinion. So, Maxi Rudy, he is an interesting guy, very interesting player. The reason I say that is because he has a propensity to shoot from really far away, and just like take awful shots. Like that's his like, that's his thing, man. That's his. That's like his mantra. So. So. So for Houston to go for that is weird to me. Now, he was playing well for Montreal, like Drew said. He, he was scoring a lot of goals, and for a while there, it really felt like he was putting the team on his back, and he helped propel them into the playoffs. And I just think that's a really big fluke. Like, I don't even think that's legit. So for Houston, I hope Houston isn't basing this move off of, like, a, a small run of good form. Maybe they see other benefits to it. And then on the Montreal side, why would you give away your best scorer? Why would you trade away your best scorer from this past season, who was clearly doing well under Thierry Henry? So that doesn't make sense to me from a Montreal side. The only thing that does make sense is the 2021 international spot for Montreal. That tells me that they're looking to get, obviously, an international player. So I'm interested. It depends on who they get with that spot. You know, if they get a a player that ends up contributing, you know, a decent amount more than a Rudy did last year, then good move from Montreal's perspective. But as of right now, I just I don't really understand it from either side. I don't even really know who Alias Struna is. I don't remember him playing for Houston much last year. So this is just kind of a a weird deal to me. But who knows? Maybe it will end up working out for both teams. And again, definitely going to have to keep an eye on that international spot for Montreal.
1: I was going to say it was to make up for the fact that Strunia was an international, but Aruti is as well. So, very interesting situation. Uh, I wonder what Montreal will do, because right now I think the only striker they have is Anthony Jackson Hamel. And while I like Hamel, I don't think he is necessarily a starting caliber striker on a good MLS team. I think on an average MLS team he could be decent, but on a good one, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if they bring in another striker. Didn't
3: didn't they get rid of Anthony Jackson Hamel? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure they finally moved on from him. Did I they? think they I think they let his contract run out and then and then they just didn't sign him and he's just a free agent right now. I mean, on the MLS website, it does show that he's still with the team,
1: I think. It says on Google he is. Um, oh, but from the Chronicle Herald, it does mention that, imp- well, the title is Impact Says Goodbye to Ritala, Fanny Corrales, and Jackson Hamel
3: yeah i just tried to click on his um player profile on the montreal page and i got an access denied so i don't think he's even with them anymore so maybe they are going after striker
1: one of the lines in the article says renard said the team would not negotiate a new deal with jackson hamel so i guess he's gone uh so they don't have a striker which is a problem
3: Dude. no it's not you have thierry henry
1: Ah, yes, Thierry Henry is going to come out of retirement. He's going to pull away R- Wayne Rooney and be a player manager.
3: Do you know, how, oh, um, just imagine how many times Henry is just standing on that touchline and he's like, oh man, if, if I was in right now, like I would, <laughs> you, like you know that dude is like, oh, yeah. just, he's, he's probably just like, come on, just do what I would do.
1: <laughs> it's not that hard. Meanwhile, it's a 40-year exactly. free he,
3: Come on, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's, I, yeah, I don't know what Montreal are going to do. That's a very interesting situation. They're going to be busy. I joked about this in the our Slack chat this past week, but I don't know how out of the question this would be. Obviously, Montreal have that connection to the Italian club. I'm blanking on their name. Um, Bologna? Bologna? Bologna, thank you. Bologna. Yeah. Um, Bologna? Yes, Bologna. Um, obviously, they have that connection to Bologna, and... Bologna have been interested, one of the rumors in the past was that they would acquire one of Rossi or Rodriguez, I can't remember which one, and then send them on loan with Montreal. No,
3: (laughs) there's no way they're going to do that. That would be, I feel like MLS would block that move. Why? Because they can, and I feel like they would, well, I don't know, it would be a really... Uh, really rare case, I guess. There's not many teams that can, that that are partnered with teams from other countries in that fashion. So I, I don't know. But I, I, I just feel like the league wouldn't allow that.
1: I disagree. I think they probably would. Um, but again, who knows? Like <laughs> Nobody knows what the league is ever thinking. Uh, but we should continue on because we've been going for 70 minutes uh, and we still have to talk coaching. Uh, which includes me crying, but we'll get there. Uh,
3: Next, What episode doesn't include that?
1: Honestly, there aren't a lot, and that's a sad, sad situation. Um, But um, final transfer, Bobby Wood is signing with RSL, who are still looking for a new ownership. He will be joining in the summer on a mid-level TAM deal, according to Stam Stajkal. Um And <laughs> he most pre- he most recently played for Bundesliga two-side Hamburg, where he was making $3 million a year. So a bit of a step down for him, uh, because I believe the max TAM you can make is $1.5 million. Um, and if it's mid-level, it's probably sitting in the... Eight hundred, seven hundred thousand dollar range. Um, so his con, his salary is decreasing quite a bit. Uh, but what do you guys think about this transfer for Bobby Wood, who's moving from a Division Two Bundesliga side to RSL? And what do you think about this transfer for RSL, who, if you do remember, just sold uh, Glad, I believe, to LAFC. Was it Glad? Cor- it was Corey Baird. Baird, sorry, Baird. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, this is interesting. I I feel like Bobby Wood could do well in MLS. He didn't he wasn't playing much because he didn't want to. <laughs> and the team wanted to move him, but he was like I'm not leaving because he was making so much money. So I don't really blame him, but yeah, I don't know. He I can't imagine that this guy is like really fit right now. Obviously, he's got time to get fit uh, because he won't be joining RSL for you know about half a year. Hopefully, RSL don't overpay for that. They do... I feel like they've always needed a striker. They just like don't have one. And playing Demir Krylock as your striker, while it is wildly entertaining for a neutral fan, I'm not sure it's what RSL want to be doing. So I think this is... a a pretty good deal i feel like there's a little bit of risk in that they're doing a tam deal although this is definitely better than that potential dp deal that would was always rumored to sign with you know insert mls club here i think most recently cincinnati so definitely interesting you know obviously we'll have to wait a while uh to see him in action in mls but you know, it could be a good move for him. He, I'm sure he wants to get back onto the U.S. national team, and this could be a way to do so. Drew,
1: what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think, first off, I totally forgot about Bobby Wood. Um, the last time I remember Bobby Wood, it was a game against the Netherlands, and the U.S. won. And I think he scored the game winning goal or something like that. So that's my favorite Bobby Wood memory. Honestly, one of my favorite U.S. men's national team memories in general. Um, but yeah, I think Josh brings a good point up with the risk this team has. This is one of the worst offenses in the league. Um uh only better than Cincinnati and Atlanta United, which not great company oh. to be in for the twenty twenty season, only scoring twenty-five goals. So that's good. Um they're spending money on a goal scorer. Again, I don't know how much he was doing in the Bundesliga second division. Um but like Josh said, it's not a DP contract. So if you're looking at it from a money perspective, this could be a bigger risk and this could be worse. Um, yeah, I mean, RSL trying to fix that, um, whether or not he'll be worth the TAM deal. Obviously, yeah, TAM has a little bigger weight um, than just a general allocation money move. But I'm excited about it. Um excited to see him... More, I think than we've seen in the past. Cause I don't know about you guys, but I don't really watch the second division of Bundesliga. Um, so like Josh said, as far as getting in the men's national team picture again, this might be a good way for him to do that. Get exposure, play consistent minutes um, in the league. So I'm excited about it from a Bobby Wood perspective. I'm excited to see his name popping back up again, because it feels like we haven't seen him in a while. Um, and like Josh said, with rumors of him going to Cincinnati, who God knows could use the new striker, Um, or just new goal scorer, I'm excited to see his name pop back up again in an offense that really needs it. So I think this is a really good opportunity for him to shine in a really bad club and hopefully maybe break into the men's national team picture a little more than he has uh, as of late. Because obviously, I mean, he's a talented player, and he's put on the crest before and played in big games. So I'm happy to see him back, um, see him in the league, and finally seeing his name again show up more often than in recent years.
1: How old is Bobby Wood?
2: That's a great question, Connor.
3: I want to say he's only like 29. 28.
2: He's from Honolulu, man, this guy.
1: Honolulu. Wow. He's
2: going from Honolulu to Salt Lake City, man. Playing in soccer in Salt Lake City in November. This poor guy.
1: Yeah, that's a downgrade. That's a definite downgrade.
2: Um, Get an MLS team in Honolulu. Honolulu FC. Do it.
1: That travel As if it isn't the bad worst enough. thing On the face of the planet. Go play
2: in a baseball stadium in New York City and then go play in Honolulu, Hawaii Hawaii, on top of a mountain on a Wednesday.
1: How about Montreal in November to... or February to Honolulu in November or February? That's like a 12-hour flight right there. That would be nuts. Actually, probably 8 hours. I think... What is it? I don't know what the flight is. It doesn't matter. Um, But... Once they invent time travel, oh not time travel, uh, instant travel, we can start expanding to Honolulu. Um, but final transfer, do we even want to talk about this? Um, Vancouver trading. Yeah, I don't think we talk about this. I think this is a joke. Uh, it's just money for a pick and money or. And an international slot. I think oh, it's worth
2: sucked. just because Vancouver is loading up on these slots, and we still haven't heard anything. So I think that's the, the only worthy thing is that it's another international slot, and we still haven't heard anything.
1: They only have one open. What weren't they? No, weren't they loading up on them? They only have one open because they two too, they took two internationals today.
2: Oh my goodness, that's what they're using them. Okay, that's disappointing.
1: And I believe I don't know if this included the Caicedo rumor. So it might be two open, but they only have like one or two open. Oh, boy. Vancouver is not looking good. So, yeah. Vancouver are in an interesting situation. Although that could change if they sell Ali Adnan, which who knows. Let's move on to coaching, and let's wrap up with coaching because we've been going for 78 minutes. Inter-Miami, finally... And by finally, I mean basically instantly doing what everybody thought they would in hiring Phil Neville uh, as their head coach. Uh, But something that I don't think a lot of people saw coming was they also hired Chris Henderson as their GM. Uh, Phil Neville, obviously, from the England women's soccer team. Uh, He played with David Beckham at Manchester United. Those links were everywhere, and everybody knew he was going to. Inner Miami, that was basically set in stone the second Diego Alonso left uh, or left in air quotes. Um, but Henderson is a bit of an interesting situation as he leaves Seattle's front office to become the GM of inner miami So I want to know what your guys' thoughts are on both of these hirings. Um, obviously, we talked a bit about Phil Neville last week in terms of his fit with Miami, but what do you guys think about, the Henderson hire is this the right move for Miami replacing Paul McDonough with Chris Henderson
3: so I'll start with uh first with Neville the hiring of Neville now that's official talked about it a lot last week but I I don't I don't really know a whole lot about him to be honest like I just kind of I learn about him by proximity from U.S. Women's Soccer Twitter and and everything that they've had to say about him and his time with England, um, and I'm w- I'm waiting to reserve judgment. I've actually got I've got like some articles and stuff saved, things people have written about Phil Neville and his tactics and stuff that I, I want to read first before I have a concrete opinion. My gut says it's not a good idea. I can already say from a culture perspective, this is really dangerous because you've just had this Spanish-speaking you know, Latinx background head coach with a lot of Latinx players and now you're making a hard one eighty and you're going to, you know, pip pip cheerio British guy. So I don't really (laughs) (laughs) I don't really think it's a good idea to do that. Just speaking from like Atlanta's experience, you know, going from a South American manager to a to a European manager kind of like destroyed everything. So don't really know about that. Going to reserve judgment though. Going to read about him a lot more. Uh, now, as for the Chris Henderson hire, I think this is you know really great. I I'd actually never really heard of Chris Henderson. I you know I know Garth Lagerway, uh, you know because he's head Honcho in terms of front office and technical director slash GM slash sporting director whatever you want to call it. So you know, but I mean this is basically Lagerway's right hand man. You know Henderson has been learning from Lagerway, so I think on paper this is a great move. Although. You know, I don't know. Paul McDonough had a good track record before joining Miami, and we saw how it didn't work out for him. And so Henderson's coming from a good track record and learning experience in Seattle. So I guess it all really comes down to, one, how much control David Beckham has, and two, how does Henderson mesh with Beckham and Neville? So there are a lot of dynamics at play here that are going to be fun to watch, if anything.
1: Yeah. Fully agree. Drew, are you still there? And do you have any sort of thoughts on that entire Phil Neville hiring and Chris Henderson hiring? Yeah, not a
2: whole lot different than what Josh said, except that when he mentioned U.S. Women's Soccer Twitter, that's an interesting place to be. And they really don't like Phil Neville. Um, so I think and this he was just steeped in controversy with England's Women's National Team talking about equal pay stuff. Um, it just seemed like... The team made a semifinal run in the World Cup. Um, Honestly, I think gave the U.S. women the biggest test of that tournament, almost came really close to beating them. But I think that was more in spite of Phil Neville, not because of Phil Neville. And I mean, like you said, with the culture change going from Latinx coach to this English women's national team coach, I'm not sure if he can get a bigger 180 than that. Um, And like you mentioned with the Frank DeBoer thing, we know from experience. So I think Miami's just in kind of a crapshoot. It's a dumpster fire. However, with this GM hire, this might be the only good thing I think Miami has going for him right now. Getting It's going to be hard to replace Paul McDonough because he kind of crafted a beast in Elaine United before he left, and now we've seen where it's gone. Uh, but I mean, grabbing anyone from Seattle's front office, I think, is a win, and especially in this situation where it feels like nothing good is going right for Miami right now. Whether it would be players and managers. I think this is the lone win they've had in the offseason. Um, So I'm excited about that. I didn't know anything about Chris Henderson. Like Josh said, I know this guy existed. The only Chris Henderson guy I knew, this is funny, um, runs a Twitter account that's like all about women college soccer. And I thought that was him. So I was like, they're just going to women's soccer. I'm all for it. Next Jill Ellis is going to go to D.C. United. I was excited about it. Um, But unfortunately, it was not that Chris Henderson. He's going to stick with his college soccer. But, yeah, that's the the GM, I think, is the only win Miami's had in the offseason. But the manager thing – I'm not buying it. Um, I think it's going to be a mess from the start, but we'll see. We'll see. You never know. But from the GM perspective, I'm super pumped about it for
1: Miami. And speaking of DC United heads, DC United's, DC United's head coach. They brought in Hernan Osada from Beershot in Belgium. First of all, that's the best name on the face of the planet uh, in Beershot. But, He's only managed the team for two years. Uh, he played most of his career in Belgium, and is only 38. So, first of all, what do you know about this guy? Uh, and do you think he'll be a good fit with DC United?
2: I I don't know. I mean, he's only managed it for two years, and the team isn't good. I mean, they're in 10th in the league right now, so I'm not sure what... I mean, what, if you're DC United, what attracts you to a coach that has managed in the Belgian league for two seasons. And he's not managing at a club Rouge or a Gink or anything like that. I mean, this team isn't something to write home about, about the Belgian league. So I don't understand what the mindset was about this hire. Um, I mean, he's young, which that might be a positive, right? He's only 38 in managerial terms. That's pretty young when you got older guys running around managing good teams so I just don't—I don't see what was so attractive about this guy. I mean, you're managing a pretty bad team in the Belgian league for two seasons. So I'm not sure what DC United was. Oh, we got to get this manager because he's dominating the Belgian league. No, the team isn't good, and he doesn't have that much experience. So I'm not—I don't really get it from a DC United perspective. Um, I'm not too thrilled about it because I don't know what is so special about this guy. So I'm not really excited about it from DC. Um, I think it's just going to continue a tough stretch of managers for them. Josh, what do you think about DC United finally getting their manager?
3: To be fair to Losada he did help this team win promotion this year. So this is their first year in the top league. So to be 10th is not terrible for a team like that. That being said, I mean, Drew, you're absolutely right. How this many is a pretty... teams
1: are in Belgium before he's 10th out of 10th? So that are I think it's 17, don't. something
2: like that. 17, 18.
3: It's, it's got to be 18 or 20. See? Like, so 18, most, 18 like
1: teams. Most, yes. So it's respectable, yeah. is my point.
3: Yeah, and especially for a newly promoted team, yeah. to be mid-table is, is pretty good. Uh, another, I think, good indication about this is a lot of the fans are upset that he's leaving. Like They don't want him to leave. So, obviously... That's good. That being said, yeah, I mean, the guy doesn't really have a lot of coaching experience. Like Drew said, all he's really ever known is the Belgium league. So I, I, but that being, you know, you know, with that in mind, I love this move for DC United because it is so not DC United. They've had nothing but Ben Olsen for the last, you know, 10 years or however long he was coach of this club. So it's just been the same old, same old for, you forever it feels like especially for you know fans like drew and i who really only heavily got into mls like in the last like five years or so so all i've ever known is a ben olsen dc united and for them to go from ben olsen to Aaron Lasada is like way different so i i think this could either pan out huge for dc or just completely sink the organization like even worse so again nothing but entertainment at least on my end as a neutral (laughs) so i'm i i would say i'm pretty excited for dc you know
1: oh that is just brutal oh man okay well dc
3: speaking of entertainment for neutrals yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna talk about this now so since since connor won't do it Toronto got their coach.
1: <laughs> it, it, it was nice talking to you guys. I'll <laughs> see you all next week. Um, yeah, have fun.
3: So Toronto's got their new coach. Drew, tell the listeners who that new coach is. That
2: coach is none other than the man who blew it in the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals. Chris Armis, former coach of the New York Red Bulls, is making his way across the border to Toronto. Uh, <laughs> TFC fans pretty excited about this move, aren't they, Connor?
1: You joke. But I think initially people were incredibly down on it. But as I've read more from his quotes, from people's opinions on it and sort of breaking it down, I kind of like it. I think it kind of makes sense. Like with Greg Vanny, obviously Toronto's identity was slow build up. We're going to hold a fair amount of possession, uh, but we're going to do it through passing. With Armas, it's going to be a completely different mindset. It's going to be high press all the time. And I think he could be a benefit to the youth because they'll actually get minutes as opposed to with Fanny. Um, Not having him be as involved in player transfers did worry me initially. And I think it is something that you need to watch uh, and that fans need to watch. But I don't think it's completely terrible I honestly think it makes a decent bit of sense like obviously like I am a bit biased in that I like the high press play style I think I love the high energy I think it'll be entertaining but I don't know it's going to be very very interesting and I'm working on an article on this now but how is this going to impact Toronto's rosters and specifically the veterans I can't see Josie Altidore playing a high press the guy could par- barely play Vanny's system. Never mind running for a full 90 minutes.
3: Dude, yeah, he can barely play in general. Exactly. Doesn't matter what system he's in.
1: Exactly. Well, I he can score. I'll give him that. He can score. And I True. said that in my article, which will hopefully come out fairly soon. But w- what does this mean for him? How will he be used? Like, unless he's just trained nonstop fitness, I don't think he'll be able to play in this system and are you just going to have a DP sitting unused on the bench I think this might be the end of Josie Altador in Toronto they're going to struggle to find a destination for him but how is he going to play in this system I don't think it's going to work with the other veterans I think it will I think it'll work with Bradley because I think they could use him and put him in a role where he is the safety mechanism for if Osorio or Delgado mess up. So he is the backup. And one of his things that he's always been able to do, and you're shaking your head, but the one thing Michael Bradley could always do is run. The guy is a machine. He doesn't stop. He said could. I think he still can. I don't think so. The injuries will play a part in it, I (laughs) granted. But I think he can still do it. Honestly, I don't think he will be as big of a negative as you think he will. And I think if they utilize him properly, where they have him as the safety gap for Delgado and for Osorio, I think it could be really successful, honestly. Just having him as almost a higher-up central defender and then help him distribute uh, help distribute on the offense because that guy can pass a ball. And that's something that you don't lose as you go over. So I don't think that necessarily will be a problem. I think altitude will be a problem. Uh, that's something they need to figure out. But apart from that, I think this roster is built pretty well where they could play that style. Obviously, they need a left back. Uh, but hopefully, they re-sign Justin Morrow. And m- maybe he's your bench option instead, and you bring in someone else. And they could use some more defenders, central defenders. But they... Picked up a left back today in the draft, I believe. And they took another defender late uh, in like the fourth round, I think. Or third round uh, with their sec- uh, second pick. But I don't think this is about that uh, that bad of a hire. What do you guys think?
3: So I it's interesting that you say that Armas is going to press with them because he... He's he said he's going to all... press.
1: He said in quotes. That's...
3: That's really intriguing to me because part of the issue with Red Bull is that he was kind of getting away from that with them. Because, I mean, Red Bull are like the, you know, if you're looking at a spectrum of like bunkering, like Jose Mourinho's on one side, and then you've got like Bielsa man marking on the other side, like Red Bull's like basically where the Bielsa side of things is. So, and he moved, you know, more towards the middle of the spectrum, which... Is is a whole nother thing, but I I initially was curious to see what he would do differently with an entirely different squad, where the culture is not all about the high press, like the entire Red Bull culture is, both here and overseas. So to hear that is is intriguing to me. Now, if he is going to go that route, then I don't think it's out of the question that Ali Curtis moves on, like you said, from Josie Altador sooner rather than later. And I don't think if they're going to do the high pressing, I don't think Michael Bradley factors in whatsoever from a playing perspective. Obviously, he's super important to the locker room. He is the captain, and he's super important to the community. He loves Toronto. Toronto loves him. So I don't think you move Bradley, even if he's not playing as much. But, I mean, Ali Curtis's whole thing in Red Bull was getting rid of their most important players. He's the one who traded Dax McCarty away. He's the one who got rid of uh, Sasha Clushton. So not out of the question for Toronto to move on from these like really important guys, but I don't know. I, this armist move does nothing for me. I want to see what he does with the team first. And like I said, it's strange to me that he wants to still do the high press when, at least from my point of view, kind of failed at it with Red Bull. I mean, why else did he get fired? And then they still went after a pressing coach. So I don't know. I, I, it's, This whole thing is is strange to me, to be honest.
1: Here's why I think it's a little bit different this time than with Red Bulls. With Red Bulls, they only have one identity. That's all they've ever had is high press. I think what he was trying to do was bring in a second option so that you never knew what Red Bull would hit you with. Will it be the high press or will it be this new style that he's developing? With Toronto, they already have the laid-back approach. They've already got that set in stone. So now has got all he's got to do is teach him how to run, right? That's why I think it makes sense. And I think that's fair. I think you're underestimating Michael Bradley as well. I think that's last season not, was a bit of an outlier. No, he's
3: done. No, 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 no. That was literally Father Time. We were watching Father Time snatch his legs from him. It's not going to get any better this year.
1: I disagree, but Drew, what do you think? I think I.
2: I'm leaning more toward Josh in this. I think this is going to be the beginning of a new era in Toronto because you talk about Josie Altador and what the heck that means. um, Michael Bradley. Yeah, I mean, you say teach players how to run, but you can't really, like, at some point, they're not going to be able to run like they used to. I mean, so I don't don't know. I think this is going to be the beginning. It's interesting that it feels like these players are going to be leaving and that... You have Josie Altador not be the normal Josie Altador and the Bradley debate. But if I'm not like Armis, he said he didn't really want a whole lot of hand in the transfers, which that's just interesting because it feels like new players are gonna be coming. And I thought it'd be the exact opposite that Armis would say, I want a hand in these players, which obviously I think he's still gonna have some say in it. I don't think he's gonna be, you know, a training one day and some random guy is gonna walk up and be like, Oh, this is your new <laughs> D P striker, his name is whatever. Um but that was just interesting because I feel like those two things didn't connect. So that was the biggest thing that came to my mind. Um, I don't think it's going to be Toronto's not going to be the normal Toronto. I think this year, I think it's going to be some big of a drop off. But again, I think they'll make the playoffs and they'll be again in years time. In a couple of years, we'll see where this hire leads them. They'll be one of the better teams in MLS, I think. But it's going to be very interesting because he doesn't want a lot of hand in the player transfers but it feels like he needs to right now but we'll see where it goes
1: this move screams either extremely successful or extremely terrible in my opinion
2: so
3: again really entertaining for us neutrals sorry connor
1: yes uh but i'm i'm leaning towards extremely successful uh which (laughs) it's probably not a good thing for you atlanta boys um although we didn't bring up a transfer. Involving you guys. Lissandra Lopez. Lopez?
3: Uh, that's not official yet, so it's okay.
1: It's pretty much official.
3: We'll save it for next week.
1: Alright, we'll save it for next week. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I think Armas... It's going to be an interesting fit. Whether or not he's extremely successful with Toronto. But, who knows? We've been going for 98 minutes. So, unless either of you ha- have anything you want to add to today's show... Drew. Take us out.
2: Yeah, guys, thanks so much for listening to us ramble about Major League Soccer. We really appreciate all of our listeners tuning in. Um, as always, like Connor was talking about, his article coming out, you can see it when it comes out on MLSMultiplex.com as long as as well as our other awesome writers cranking out content on the website. Uh, You can follow the website at MLS Multiplex on Twitter to see stories as they come out on social media. And you can visit us on social media as we rant about transfers on our own time. You can find Connor at CWG Somerville, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and myself at underscore Drew Hubbard. So feel free to hit us up on Twitter and get mad at us when we have freezing cold takes about MLS. Uh, So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please leave reviews on the podcast. We love hearing how we can improve. And thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week.
1: Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.